Good afternoon, October 4th, 2019, and back with the RPPP Recreational Poker Player Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Bensamakan, here with my trusty sidekick and IT guy, Dave Cheeseburger Martinez. It's been a while since we've been able to record a podcast. Again, mostly because I really don't have the ability to sit and do this by myself. <laughs> I, need, I need somebody in the room with me to, to keep it flowing. Uh, otherwise, every podcast would be about eight minutes long, you know, and then we'd be done. Lots of, uh, lots of, what else? What else? Yeah, see, okay. What else is going on, right? So, the occasional crunching of Cheetos or something. <laughs> <laughs> so between the last episode and today, so much time has passed. I, I went to the World Series of Poker mm. and played in my one event. And I'll give everybody a status on that. And then I went back to Vegas for July 4th weekend, and I'll let everybody know how that went. Okay. Um, and then I was just there uh, last week um, in Vegas, and I actually had a, a, quite a little turn of fortune. Hmm. And then we're going to talk about um, two things that are kind of interesting. There's really one kind of thing that's sort of connected in that. You're, you recall on previous episodes, we talked about Phil Ivey and his troubles with the Borgata and how they were collecting this $10 million judgment after they basically sued him for what's called edge sorting, and he had, he had kind of done this trick. He did it once in England mm-hmm. at Croxford's, yeah. and then he did it in the Borgata in Atlantic City. Yeah. The difference is that the Borgata actually paid him out, and then when they realized what happened, they sued him and they got a judgment. Yeah. Ivy appealed that judgment, and that's still on appeal. And But in the meantime, during this year's World Series of Poker, an interesting development took place. Uh, in regards to Phil Ivey and the Borgata, and because it kind of crosses into the legal lines, you know, um, yeah. Uh, so I, I feel kind of comfortable. I can probably talk a little bit about it and, and actually sound like I know what I'm talking about. All right. But let me let's start with the 2019 World Series of Poker. Okay. So as you know, I, I pick one event every year, and this year because of scheduling. I picked the $1,000 buy-in, what's called deep stack. Okay. Deep stack means that you start with more chips than you would in a traditional tournament. Okay. So let's say your starting stack is 20,000 chips in a traditional buy-in. Mm-hmm. In the deep stack, you start with 40,000. Okay. And then this tournament also had one re-entry, or you could rebuy one time, mm-hmm. um, up until the dinner break, mm-hmm. which... I don't particularly like rebuy tournaments, and especially in the World Series, and there aren't that many. But this happened to have been one of them. Mm. But because of the scheduling, it was just the best I could do. Uh, and so I played in the one thousand dollar deep stack, okay. and I actually ran it up very, very quickly. Like when the first two levels, I was literally the chip leader. Oh, yeah. I started with forty thousand, and I had something like one hundred sixty thousand chips within the first like ninety minutes. Okay, that didn't last very long, by the way. <laughs> All right, but. Um, but that's how these tournaments are, you know, these deep stacks, these no limit. If you recall, I, I don't play a lot of no limit hold'em. I play mostly limit games, yeah. limit hold'em or stud or even the mixed games. Yeah. You know, so no limit may, may very well be my weakest game. Mm. So I kind of started off kind of strong and I thought, okay, well, all right, this might be the year. Yeah, this might be it. <laughs> it's might been a while. Um, and it came, I, I kind of realized fairly early on that. Really, I just picked up two or three big hands, but I wasn't really like outplaying anybody. Like it wasn't, you know. Yeah, you cut, you cut, you got a hot streak in the beginning, and then. Which, to be honest, is the worst. In my opinion, it's the worst time to get hot in a tournament. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd rather eke by 
towards the end of the where there's no longer rebuys. Yeah. You know, and then if I'm going to catch a streak, let it be at that point where nobody else can just jump back in and, you know, the field is set. Yeah, because early on, I mean, people can just, you know, whatever, yeah, just rebuy and there's less, yeah. That happens. It's funny. There was a tournament in between a couple of weeks ago that I played in where I actually, like, I was one off the bubble. Which was like really upsetting. It was like 169 entrants, and I finished 24th, and the top 22 got paid. Oh, yeah, and it was a, it was a very small buy. It was like 175 bucks. I've done these before where it just kind of kill time. Yeah. It was over at Commerce. Well, I'll get to that later because that tournament actually played much better. And then I kind of caught a cooler at the end in my last hand, which knocked me out. But yeah. But anyway, so at the World Series, so I, I made it to just about level eight which is right before the dinner break, level seven, which is like right before the dinner break, and then I busted out, and that was that. I could have rebought, and I thought about it. But? Well, I'll tell you why I didn't, because I would have started with 40,000 chips again. But now the blinds were kind of high, and there was an ante, and I would basically start with 20 big blinds, right? Two, uh, like 1,000, 2,000. It's kind of, you know, with and then a big blind ante, I'd have to ante for the whole table. So it's kind of like... You know, I'd have to, like, go all in after three or four hands. Like, I'd have to catch a hot card, and I'd have to double up. In, in order, order to, like, really get through that, yeah, that just, grind at first, yeah. Yeah. And so I just decided, no, it was enough. I, I took my shot this year, and, you know, that's the end of it. So that was my 2019 World Series. Nothing special. Yeah. Nothing to brag about, you know. Um, again, I'll, I'll keep going, and I'll, I'll keep picking, like, the one tournament a year. And I really, again, I didn't really want to play this particular event. Um, and it was a lower buy-in. This is the lowest World Series buy-in event I've ever played in. Um, really? Yeah, 1500 is usually the minimum. This year, they had a bunch of like less than that buy-in tournaments. They had 600 buy-ins. They had uh, 800, 1,000. Why do you think that is? I think they're attracting more and more um, recreational players like me, like what the pros would call fish. You know? <laughs> well, because... Yeah. Why? Because everybody feeds off of the fish, right? And that's kind of the idea. These pros, you know, kind of make their living off of fish or, yeah, yeah. or recreational players. Um, so I think it was meant to, like, attract way more of these recreational players. Um, and it creates, like, bigger prize pools. Yeah. And they had one called the Big 50, which was, like, a $500 buy-in or something. Okay. And that got something like 23,000 entries. Oh, my it was like It was, like, a monstrous tournament. Yeah. And they had several starting flights and, you know, but to the World Series... A poker's credit, I mean, that really did attract like everybody and their uncle, and it made poker fun and popular. And you know, it's it's a lot different when you were buying into like a 10k, you know, and there's a hundred people or 96 people in the field, but they're all 96 are like super good top players. You know, the, uh, the tournament like the Big 50, that was like you know, that's a big free for all. The tournament that I played in, the thousand dollar buy-in deep stack, there were 3,200 entries mm-hmm. in that one. I think I finished 600 and something out of that. Huh. So. Yeah, yeah. What can I tell you? It is what it is. But yeah. but that's something I think in future years we're going to see more of. More of these sort of lower buy-in, you know, multi-day, more fun. Some of these are like turbo levels, you know, where the levels are 20 or 30 minutes long. That's the one I was in. The levels were 30 minutes each. Yeah. Right? So they were kind of a turbo event, and that's meant to speed it up and, you know get people you know out faster and get people more um, encouraged to rebuy and keep trying and, and that kind of thing yeah so that was my World Series again nothing to really write home about 
Um, I typically have a nice weekend in Vegas anyway, you know, either way. So that was that. Spent some time with the family. All right. So I come back. Right. That that's done. I play in this $175 buy-in tournament at Commerce. It was during their it was like a Legends of Poker event or something. With the, I don't remember what they call it. It was some WPT sponsored event. Yeah. A couple of years ago, I think it was 2017, I finished seventh in that event, in that same buy-in, that $175 buy-in event. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah, uh, and I had like 2600 bucks. Uh, I think it was about the same, about 200 players. Oh, great. Yeah, and this one, it was like it ended up being like 169 or 159 169 Okay. This had rebuys also, but I didn't have to rebuy. It was just single entry, and uh, I actually I, I played really well. I, I didn't like run hot. You know, like I didn't catch. Yeah, like, get some mass freak at some point. Yeah, right. I just I played really solid, really good poker. We got to the point where we were whittling down, and we were down to like twenty eight players, twenty seven, twenty two, top twenty two and higher were in the money. Yeah, and I got down to like I was like very low in chips at this point, just grinding down, grinding down. Couldn't pick up a hand, couldn't do anything. Yeah. Finally, I got ace nine off suit. I had like fifty five thousand in chips in front of me, which basically was almost like a min raise at that point. Um, so a guy raised it to like nine or twelve thousand. It came around to me. I just went all in. Everybody folded. He called. He had ace three of clubs. Mm. I had ace nine. Yeah. And hit a three on the flop, and that was it. Wow. So, it's a, in a way, it's kind of like what they call a cooler. Yeah. You know, because technically, I dominated his hand because if an ace came, I'm better because my nine is a better kicker. Yeah, of course. So really, he's only drawing to three cards. To any of the other threes. Besides the one in his hand, there's three other three other yeah. threes left. So, uh, of course, he hit it, and at that point, and it was like two off the bubble. Too, I was like, oh, if I just won that hand, at least I make it into the money. You'd, you'd have something to show. Yeah, for. I yeah. cash. Again, not it wouldn't have been a big big cash, but it would have been like three hundred eighty or something for you know. something. Yeah, but hang on. All right, sorry about that a little technical issue, but anyway, what I was saying is, if I if I if I win that hand, I at least cash, and I'll have another recorded cash. It goes on your Hendon Mob, and you know it's like a WPT sponsored event, so yeah, yeah, it just kind of like adds a little bit to the record book, but no big deal, you know. I mean, it just it's something. Well, yeah, look, I mean, the the three hundred dollars or four hundred bucks or whatever doesn't make a difference. Again, it's just more about. Advancing far enough in a in a tournament and having these to results. where you actually get a cash out. Yeah, I mean, yeah. even if it's a small amount. I am curious. I mean, just if if Christopher Walken yeah. had Ace Nine and lost to Ace Three and busted him out of the tournament with that, what would his reaction be? <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Um, what was that? That hands. <laughs> let me see the let me see your cards. I want to see them. I want to see him now. I'm a t- <laughs> what he, could he call for a do-over? Is <laughs> there some kind of mulligan? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I got nothing. <laughs> no, that's all right. It's all right. Put you a little bit on the spot there. Um, and, yeah, I apologize also. I'm getting over a cold, so I'm a little nasally, and you know, I sound a little whiny. I don't mean to. Um, so I, l- let me jump from there, too. So then I had another trip to Vegas just recently mm-hmm. and uh, I actually funny story um, every now and then I'll play some of the table games so uh, I played uh, Pi Gal Poker okay. which is like it's a form of poker you basically play your five strongest cards 
below, like a five-card poker hand, okay. you get seven cards. Okay? okay. And then the next two highest cards you play on top. And then so you have to beat the dealer's two top cards and their bottom five and vice versa in order for you to win a bet. Otherwise, you push. So let me give you an example. Sure. Let's say out of the seven cards in my hand, I have uh, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Okay. Okay, so I have a straight, and then I have an ace and a four. Okay. Okay. So the six, seven, eight, nine, ten is my best five card poker hand, right? Okay. Then so that's my bottom hand, my bottom five. My top two is ace four. Now let's say the dealer has uh, three jacks and two sevens in his hand. Okay. So he might play the two sevens on top, right? And then play three of a kind on the bottom. Okay. Right? And so if I don't beat him on the top, so my ace four doesn't beat a pair. Yeah. Right? So he wins on the top, but I win on the bottom, we push. And what does push mean exactly? Push means we tie. Like, no, you have to win both or lose both. Gotcha. So if my hand were four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and then a pair of kings. Then that would have beat him because your top cards and your bottom cards beat both of you. Right. So I sit down and the first hand I get, okay, I get three of diamonds, three of clubs, three of hearts, mm-hmm. three of spades. What? Yeah, ace, queen, ten. Okay, and the other three were clubs. Ace, queen, and ten were clubs. Okay. So basically I got four of a kind. Yeah. And ace, queen is my next highest. Okay. Yeah. Now in this game in Pi Gal, you could, it's a table game, right? It's against the, the house. Yeah. So you have all these weird side bets, right? So And you could bet like an extra five bucks for like a, a fortune bonus, which is, I guess, if you get a hand like four of a kind, it counts. Yeah. Anyway, so I do. I always bet the little side bet, and I bet an extra dollar. Okay. You know? And so uh, I hit this four of a kind, and four of the cards are flush. Like four cards are clubs. Oh. Okay, but that, that doesn't matter, right? Because it's yeah. five cards. Yeah. But I turn it over, like, I'm showing the house, and the dealer's like, oh, oh, no flush. I'm like, well, no, I don't, I don't care. I don't need a flush. I, I, she goes, yeah, oh, so close, almost a flush. Bitch, don't you see four of a kind? Like, right here, like, I don't, damn the flush. And she's like, oh, wait, oh, oh. And then she has to call the foreman over to verify. So that hand paid me 750 bucks. Nice. All right, like, boom. All right, cool, right? Yeah. Okay. And that was on Friday. No, that was on Sunday afternoon. Okay. And then Sunday night, we had dinner at my father's house, and my brother was there. And okay. My dad has his, his, his brother from Israel is visiting. My oh, uncle. okay. So we also wanted to see them. And anyway, so after dinner, we go back. We're staying at the Red Rock in this hotel. Okay. We go back to the hotel, and I say to my wife, I'm going to play poker, just regular, you know, poker. Yeah. So I go to the poker room, and it's, it's Sunday night. It's not like a convention or anything. Yeah. It's kind of dead. It's only a couple of tables running, and there's a list of like seven or eight other players waiting to get on. Yeah. So I just had, so okay, fine, put my name on the list. And I just wander around, and I go back to that same game at Pie Got Poker. Yeah. And I sit down, and I again, I buy him for like 300 bucks, and I, I take my 20 bucks and my little $5 bonus bet or whatever. And the very first hand I get... I get a royal flush on the bottom, ten what? queen king ace, and then two kings more on top. What? Yeah. And so how many times in your life never, have you got a I've royal never gotten a royal flush in Pi Gal. Never. I've gotten a straight flush once, but never a royal. And this paid like paid basically paid for the five dollar bet, it paid hundred and fifty to one. So it paid me like seven hundred and fifty bucks. And then on the one dollar bonus bet, it paid five hundred to one and he made another five hundred bucks. So I got twelve hundred and fifty dollars on that one bet. First hand I sat down. And so I just kind of was like, you know, 
I could stay here and just keep playing this, but you know what? And fuck it. I'm like, yeah. tell the dealer, I'll just cash me out. The, the pit boss looked at me like I just cut off his finger. You know, like, he looked at me like, motherfucker. And I just went back to the poker room, and I played like, I don't know, played poker for like an hour, lost 40 bucks, and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to sleep. And I just went upstairs, and uh, that was it. So I came out ahead. There you go. Yeah, and I, I almost never, I mean, if I am if I come out ahead in Vegas, it's because I just play regular poker. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll play, like, I'll go to the Bellagio or the Mirage, and I'll play in a better room, you know. But this time just happened to be, so, yeah. So that's kind of been my my gambling, you know, issues or what not really issues, but my three you know, from the World Series, yeah, 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 the Commerce Tournament, and then this last trip to Vegas, and, and that's it. I've been I've been actually very busy, you know, with the law office, and so, huh. you know, I didn't I haven't had a lot. Oh, of that time. day job of yours, yeah, the, you know, the, <laughs> right, the real job. I haven't had a lot of time to do any gambling or play, you know. So now I want to just sort of. I want to get to the kind of the crux of today's today's little broadcast, today's okay. episode, and that is this issue with Phil Ivey okay. and the Borgata. Okay. Okay. So, if you recall, some time ago, a couple of years ago, Phil Ivey had, I guess, figured out how to what's called edge sort certain cards, and that's essentially a way in which you notice an imperfection. On the back of the playing cards, yeah, that allow you to know which cards they are, yeah, right. So if I know that all the nines and all the tens have a particular, you know, imperfection of some kind, and I know how to spot that in a game like baccarat, which is the game he was playing in, if I know, or I don't think you play with nine or ten to baccarat, but whatever, yeah, whatever it is, if I know that certain cards are already dis- discarded or out of the deck or out of the shoe, gives you an advantage. Yeah, also. right, it's, and that's called edge sorting. So. Ivy had gone to the Borgata in Atlantic City okay. and had done this edge sorting thing and had won around $10 million. Wow. Yeah. And the Borgata paid him out. Okay. And then... Ivy then... Well, so the chronology of events is important. Okay. Okay. Ivy then traveled to England and in the British casino, there's a game called Bunko which is basically like Baccarat. And Ivy also noticed that they had the same playing cards with the same imperfections. Now, did he just happen to notice this, coincidentally, or did he seek out a casino that he knew would have these sort of playing cards? That's a great question, because I don't, and I don't know. I, my gut tells me he researched to know, because how else would he know? I mean... Yeah, they just happened to start, I mean, this one casino in a completely different country. Right. So he may have had people that he knew, or he might have figured out a way to find out, but I, my instinct is that he did research to know which casinos use these particular yeah. playing, you know, playing cards manufactured by this particular company. Yeah. But nonetheless, he went to England, ran up the same kind of victory, close to $10 million, I think it's 7.9 million pounds or whatever it was. Yeah. And the casino, Croxford's, just basically refused to pay him. Right, they, like he flew back, and the next morning he called them. Like, okay, you can wire my money here, and they're like, no, we're not sending you any money. Why? Because we think you cheated, and we're not giving you your money. Now, the Borgata in Atlantic City caught wind of this, Uh-oh. okay, and got smart and said, you know what? We should sue this guy for cheating. Yeah. So they did, and they got a judgment against him. So they, you know, and and that's now under appeal. All right. 
How were they able to make the? What, under what circumstances could they prove this they, guy? Was, they used the same information that was available in the British casino, right, to determine that essentially Ivy intentionally misled the casino into shifting the way they deal their cards, right? Because that was the big part of it. Instead of dealing the cards horizontally, he asked them to deal vertically, right? And it was some kind of said, you know, my playing partner, this girlfriend has a superstition or whatever. But And the truth of the matter is that most casinos, unless if obviously they weren't aware that there was a playing card imperfection, what do they care? The cards are still going to be dealt face down. Yeah. And if a guy's betting $100,000 a hand in a game that they have a clear advantage, sure. Yeah, they, could, they'll, right. the, yeah, they, they didn't think there was any way to really exploit that. Right. But little did they know. Okay? So anyway, so they sued Phil Ivey for this, basically saying, look, you intentionally misled us because you had us change the direction in which, and it's true, we made the choice to do it, but if we had known that you had some kind of advantage... Or if you had, you know, you could tell that there was some kind of imperfection. Oh, we gotta pause one more time. Pause, pause, pause. Okay, yeah, it's gone. Sorry about that. So that's what happens when uh, when you record these live out of studio with no editing. <laughs> right. It's going to be uploaded just as it was recorded. Um, it's real. This, yeah. is, this is what life is, man. This that's, is this is this is real stuff here. <laughs> that's right. So so here's where. This becomes an interesting legal take. Okay, so Borgata sues Ivy based on this idea that he intentionally misled them into thinking that he was playing on the square, and that you know his his shifting the position of the cards was not meant to give him any kind of unnecessary advantage. Right. Okay. So they get a judgment against him for ten million dollars. You know they win, and Ivy is appealing that judgment. Well, this year in two thousand nineteen. Yeah. Phil Ivey registered to play the Poker Players Championship. It's a $50,000 buy-in. Okay. Okay. Phil Ivey, of course, is one of the greatest players alive. Okay. And Phil Ivey had gotten to where he had advanced far enough in this tournament to where he was guaranteed a cash. Right? He was right. in the money. Cool. As soon as that happened, Uh-oh. Borgata sent a letter to Caesars Entertainment, which is the Rio Hotel and the World Series of Poker, yeah. basically saying, whatever Phil Ivey cashes out for, you need to hold that money and give it to us. Because uh, we have this judgment and we want to execute on this judgment. Can they do that? Well, they did it. Now, Phil Ivey ended up finishing, I think, eighth. Okay. His cash was 150 something thousand dollars, and that check was held and sent to the Borgata. Sorry, can the Borgata legally do that? Well, so there's a few things that, are, and I'm going to tell you 